Good morning, everyone. This is Father Nate, missionary priest in Italy. Today is October 16th of 2023, and we're celebrating Monday of the 28th week in Ordinary Time. It's also the optional memorial of St. Hedwig, religious, the patron saint of bald people. That's a joke, Hedwig. Anyways, it's also the optional memorial of St. Margaret Mary Alacoque, virgin. She was known for the visions of the Sacred Heart. That was the devotion that she promoted. Today's gospel comes to us from the gospel according to Luke, chapter 11, verses 29 through 32. While still more people gathered into the crowd, Jesus said to them, This generation is an evil generation. It seeks a sign, but no sign will be given it, except the sign of Jonah. Just as Jonah became a sign to the Ninevites, so will the Son of Man be to this generation. At the judgment, the Queen of the South will rise with the men of this generation, and she will condemn them, because she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon, and there is something greater than Solomon here. At the judgment, the men of Nineveh will rise with this generation and condemn it, because of the preaching of Jonah, they repented, and there is something greater than Jonah here. In today's gospel, Jesus offers a very harsh rebuke to those scribes and Pharisees who had asked for a sign, as we heard in last Friday's gospel. We can consider three things. First, what it was that the scribes and Pharisees were asking for exactly, and why it was so wrong. Second, what makes Jesus' rebuke so harsh? And third, how we can apply the lesson of this gospel to our own lives. So first, what is it exactly the scribes and Pharisees were asking for? They asked Jesus for a sign. The Greek word, simeon, makes reference to something miraculous or wonderful, something that confirms the supernatural origin or the, the special mission of the one performing it. In other words, it would confirm that the one who performed it was sent from God. Now, such a demand was fairly common among the Jews. There's historical references to this, but also St. Paul mentions it in his first letter to the Corinthians. He writes, The Jews demand signs, and Greeks look for wisdom. The problem, though, is at this point in Luke's Gospel, it's really hard to imagine what more the Jews could possibly want Jesus to do. For instance, at this point in his gospel, Jesus has already fed 5,000. He's cast out demons, he's worked numerous healings. After his baptism, the crowds even heard a voice from heaven say, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. What more could they want? It's clear that nothing will really satisfy them. They will always demand more and more. It's for this reason that Jesus harshly rebukes those who ask the question, which is our second point. First, Jesus tells them that an evil generation seeks a sign, right? That word evil literally means ridden with pain, and it emphasizes the sufferings that always accompany the people who separate themselves from God. In asking for a sign, Jesus is saying that his questioners have entirely broken faith with God. Nothing will satisfy them. The greatest sign that they will receive will be the resurrection, and even that won't be enough. And it's sad because in Luke's gospel, at the end of the parable of the rich man and Lazarus, Jesus alludes to this, right? The rich man begs to be allowed to return to earth to warn his brother. And Abraham tells him, they have Moses and the prophets. 
Let them listen to them. The rich man said, Oh no, Father Abraham, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. Then Abraham said, If you will not listen to Moses and the prophets, if they will not listen to Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded if someone should rise from the dead. Ouch. Now, furthermore, the Jews like to refer to the pagans as adulterous nations, right? But both the men of Nineveh and the queen of the south were pagans. So to have them rise up and condemn the Jews, who thought themselves righteous, is particularly harsh. Yet Jesus has really made his point. He's far greater than Jonah or Solomon. Think, Jonah preached without giving any signs. He didn't love the people of Nineveh, and he only went to one city. Jesus worked many miracles. He has a great love for his people, and he preached throughout the known world. Or likewise, King Solomon, he had great wealth and wisdom. But all things, absolutely everything belongs to Christ, and he is wisdom incarnate. Nothing is going to satisfy these Pharisees and scribes. They're constantly looking for great signs and wonders, and they miss the greatest gift of all. So that asks then, that, that begs the question then, well, how do we apply this gospel to our lives? Well, this sometimes can happen to us too. Sometimes we want God to act in great dramatic ways. We want him to somehow miraculously confirm our vocations or, or show his power in, in some amazing show of might. We want him to know, we, we want to, to, so that he shows us like that, that he's watching over us. But if that's the way we live, then we'll lose sight of the miracles he's already done for us. He gives us new life through baptism. He gives us the grace we need to get through each day. He gives us our vocations. What more do we need? At some point, we just have to trust and say, it's enough. We can repeat with the man in the gospel, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. So through the intercession of Mary, Mother of Faith, let's ask for the grace to trust in Jesus and in his plans for us, knowing that we've received far, far more than miracles, far, far, yeah, how does that, more than enough miracles to convince us of his love and care. 